1: Hello, this is Russell Guyver. Well, the football news is moving on rapidly this week with the advent of the announcement of a new European Super League, a breakaway league amongst the big six clubs of England and six others from elsewhere in Europe has prompted an emergency podcast, you could call it, where I got together with Josh, uh, who does the Together BHAFC podcast, to talk about all the issues. We got together... Last night, that's uh, Monday night, and chewed the fat. Here is the outcome of that talk conversation. And this
0: computer as well. All right. Well, Russell, thank you for joining me last minute because uh, this was—I mean, I texted you what, like, three hours ago asking if you could come on. Um, <laughs> yeah. But this is one I think that we definitely need to discuss. Um, so I'm really glad that you're able to pop on and uh, and discuss this absolute mess um that, that's that's took place in the last 24 hours or so
1: but first of all how Absolutely. are you yeah i'm good Thank, yeah, thanks for inviting me on it was a good idea i think to do this and certainly glad to join in and to help um short notice um scenario isn't it but it's uh, it's something that's got to be spoken about straight away but so um, i'm yeah I'm, I'm good thanks i'm all right i've got myself a beer so cool down for the rest of the evening our time over here in the uk Cheers. Yes, that's a good idea. Uh, I've just logged out of work at half past four of my time,
0: so uh, I'm good to go as well. Uh, this is Thank obviously you. centering around uh, the European Super League that was announced yesterday. For those of you that have been under a rock, just very, very, very quickly, <laughs> we'll summarize it here. Um, yesterday, uh, they announced that 12 founding members have announced that they have organized the European Super League with JP Morgan. Um, The league will have 20 teams, the 12 founding members plus the three unnamed clubs they expect to join soon, and five sides who qualify annually according to their domestic achievements. Under the proposals, the ESL campaign would start in August each year with midweek fixtures and the clubs would be split into two groups of 10 playing each other home and away. The top three in each group would qualify for the quarterfinals with the teams in fourth and fifth playing a two-leg playoff for the two remaining spots otherwise known to our American friends as the wild card spot. From then on, it would have the same two leg knockout format used in the champions league before a single leg final in May at a neutral venue. The ESL said it would generate more money than the champions league. And this is my favorite pit would result in a greater distribution of revenue throughout the game.
1: Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where do we start? Well, I mean, this is incredible, isn't it? I mean, first of all, I think for me, the first thing to mention is there's been this debate about whether this is some kind of a very audacious next step power play to try and persuade the European authorities, i.e. UEFA, to actually play ball their way. Um, It doesn't seem to be that that's the case, does it? Uh, This seems pretty serious, pretty real, pretty definitely happening from their point of view, rather than just uh, a negotiating and bargaining tool which is what seems to have happened several times in various points in the past over the last few years. It's been in the offing for arguably decades, hasn't it? The the concept of it, the possibility of it. Um, And it's always been, well, I think reviled by all football fans pretty much. I can't speak for every single one of them, but I think I'm confident I'm speaking for the vast majority when we say that's not what fans want. Certainly not match-going fans at the very least. And this is clearly the next step. I, I don't know where to begin in terms of the rant. It's going to go on and on. Um, I don't yeah, know if you want to keep. But some you're spot sort of on. This first,
0: bit. Uh, you're spot on in terms of it's been decades in the offing, though, right? Because Arsene Wenger hmm. was on record twenty years ago, worried that this was going to be a thing ten years ago, and we've managed to keep it away uh, since. You know, for a while, um, we have not really had anything come up other than just rumours and hearsay until pretty much a year ago with the big picture. Uh, and project restart that came up. Yeah. Um and now of course all of a sudden on a, a Sunday night at half past midnight Europe time, half past eleven your time, and you know, even later on in the evening in the US, they, they dropped this bombshell. Um the teams that are part of the founding 12, uh <laughs> the the dirty dozen, um as I believe the <laughs> the UEFA uh fella branded them Um, are Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, Liverpool, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus, Atletico Madrid, AC Milan and Inter Milan. Yeah. Bayern Munich have already said they are officially out. Dortmund have followed suit and Leipzig have followed suit in what I found to be quite a surprise. Um, Mm. I saw somebody tweet earlier that, Uh, Red Bull Leipzig have have looked at this and thought it's too morally corrupt even for them, (laughs) which is (laughs) quite some feat.
1: Uh, uh, It's impressive, isn't it?
0: (laughs) PSG uh, PSG are also out, um, which also, they're on the right side of history for all the wrong reasons, PSG. Uh, They are big owners uh, or big contributors to be in sports that have a Champions League deal, a huge one. Um, which Mm. probably drives their decision but at least they've come to the right conclusion regardless of the wrong reasons (laughs) Uh, Porto Porto have been invited and have declined Benfica have been invited and declined so I'm assuming that they said that they expected three clubs to join them as a 15 and I'm assuming that at least three of them were on that list that have already said no so, are they now just going down the list and hoping to find someone that may join in?
1: Yeah, maybe. And from a Brian point of view, how far down the list do we go? <laughs> <laughs> Could be interesting. Uh, is there a decision to make for us fans later on? I doubt it. Yeah, I think you're probably right. It is probably, they, they were hoping for the three best options from those that might accept from that list. That's what I'm guessing it was. I think Lyon as well were another club that might have been uh, mentioned as having turned it down. And obviously the French and German authorities, well the football authorities, have also kind of, I think, blanketly sort of uh, turned their nose up at the whole thing. So I think as a whole they're not in favour, which is not a surprise because our our own uh, authorities are not in favour either. Um, Yeah, it's it's, um, interesting to know what their thinking is about those other three and where it goes from here, assuming things carry on. Absolutely no idea where it goes from here. There's a lot of other big-ish clubs that could fit the bill. I don't know if they've asked Ajax or the Glasgow clubs or um, any of the other Italian sides, slightly down the the pecking order. Um, Same with Spain. Um, Even, dare I say it, England, I doubt it though, because I think there's some big clubs. There's Leeds, there's Villa, there's other clubs like that who could, could stake a claim to being of the right sort of size. Historically speaking, you can argue that's true or not. Either way round, they're clubs of a certain size, but I don't think they would be invited because it then just becomes Premier League abroad, doesn't it, pretty much, if it's just too English top-heavy. This already is, isn't it, actually? It's going to be six out of 15 if it goes ahead, which is quite a lot of English clubs, actually, if you think about that. Um, But I, I don't know where they're going with it. I know where everyone else is going with it because... Everyone's up in arms, aren't they? All of the authorities, I believe it's the the FA, the English Premier League. um, I presume the EFL are against it as well, for what that's worth. Um, All the other bodies. And and, and interestingly, I think a lot of the broadcasters were nonplussed by this as well. So they are obviously thinking the Super League's going to stake its claim, set itself out and then say, right, who wants it? but the question is going to be who does want it (laughs) hopefully no one well the rumor is that days own
0: have already got a deal in place is what i've been reading um but Mm. nothing has been substantiated on that since yesterday and with a lot of things coming out today you feel like you would have heard about it a little bit more um to add to it turkey holland denmark Uh, and a couple of other nations have also came out with no interest whatsoever. So there's your Ajax, there's your PSV, um, you know, there's your Fanebache, your Galatasaray's, you know, there's all those players dropping out and those teams not being available as that, you know, those three next clubs as founding members. Um, And, you know, I, I guess the first question I have that I would love to hear from you as well is They believe that it would result in a greater distribution of revenue across the game. If you're a closed shop and you have no intention of allowing clubs in any pyramid system with any real opportunity to get into your closed club, how on earth do they think that they're going to be able to distribute that revenue throughout the game? Unless they're assuming they're going to be able to uh, move on to a kind of um, like college system that the U.S. have where they can basically cultivate and use all of these teams around them in their local catchment areas as feeder clubs, where they can develop Mm -hmm. them and bring them in as and when they want, which would then obviously provide distribution. But other than that, I, I can't find any possible way that they could be providing greater distribution to Walsall or Grimsby or, you know, any of these teams.
1: Exactly. And in fact, the feeling is so strong so early I'm wondering if what the sanctions would be if this is to go ahead in regards to their place maintained within the English structure itself for the domestic campaigns. Are they going to be allowed to stay in the Premier League, first of all? If they're not, where are they going to be put? They could dump down a division. Would the EFL accept them down there? Could they even, as somebody I know um, has suggested, we should relegate them to League Two, all six of them, which is a brilliant idea, because it would take them quite a while for them all to be able to get back to the top, anyway. Albeit it would be their B team, I guess, or or a partial mismatch of B team and first teamers out of slightly out of um, formal favour. Um, that that could be intriguing. Um, but uh, what what other sanctions? The FA Cup, the League Cup, do you kick them out of those competitions? Obviously, further further along the scale, there's also been talk about whether players playing for those clubs should be excluded from international competition as well. I mean, there's an argument to say that's a bit unfair on the players. They haven't initiated this. It's the clubs that have done it. Um, But I guess the players could, A, they could take some kind of action, um, you know, industrial action against it, if they're against the idea, or that there could be a concession for when their contracts, as they currently stand, or when the Super League starts at that point in time, um, once those contracts have run out, then they're, or they're still eligible to, to play for the country. And if they renew a contract with a Super League club, then maybe then they would be ineligible to play for their countries. Maybe that's an option. I don't know. Um, that might be a step too far, to be honest. Um, I don't know what people are thinking or watching this, hearing this. Um, but I think that's something that was going to be looked at. But I think moreover, the idea of um, whether you actually put a sanction on any transfer activity um, between... Super League and the English Leagues and the other leagues maybe that will be something or whether it's involving loans and as you said cultivation of players through the system, would they allow loans maybe they'll forbid loans from the Super Clubs down to the Warsaws of this world It's there's so much, so many questions isn't there, so many different things that could be done um, to curtail or to quell or to sidestep this and channel it down a different way. Who knows what's going to happen? It's, it's a huge, huge story. Um, we've, we've already seen a certain manager of note, um, maybe past his best, but certainly um, with his P45 in hand now, supposedly as a result of um, his actions he took in opposition to the announcement. In other words, Mourinho has been sacked. Um, there's talk that he refused to let his players go onto the, into the training area and subsequently was sacked. That is a rumor that's going around. We don't know if that's true. So or I, not. Think I've, I think I think that it has true.
0: been debunked. Unfortunately, I think oh, it, it has. Uh, okay. yeah, yeah, I think unfortunately yeah. it has been debunked. I think that Tottenham are just being Tottenham in firing him a week before their cup final, which is just classic Spurs. Um, <laughs> I think that I know that tomorrow uh, the Premier League are going to host a meeting with the 14 clubs, the other 14, um, tomorrow mm. morning. Uh, those clubs that are involved in this proposed European Super League are not included. Um, the meeting will be chaired by Richard Masters online, um, and and you know, and like you said, that the government has also stepped in. Um, there's been numerous mm. reports, including from Boris's own mouth, uh, that big, big six clubs could well be blocked uh, from signing foreign players amid a push to join a new su- European Super League. Uh, the government may well set be set to step in um, and deny work permits on the whole for any players uh, that, that agree to play in this role and i've seen a lot of people come out and say well that's against the eu law it can't happen and despite my feelings personally on brexit it's where you suddenly realize that they have no power here and we can essentially make whatever decision we want if they can push it through the highest court in the uk Um, these visas will be valid and they will be able to turn them down and they simply won't be able to come into the the country and play for these teams and regardless of whether I think that's a slight abuse of power, for once it's for a good reason (laughs) Um, and I think it's, you know, I think at this time it's like desperate times call for desperate measures Um, and and, I mean these 12 founding clubs they've signed a 23 year commitment to this new European Super League so they fully intend this to be the next big thing for a long time.
1: Um, yeah, a couple of points on that. First of all, you mentioned Boris Johnson even coming out against it. This is a man who's very much Tory capitalist, very much in favour of the elite 2% of the population, all of that sort of stuff. So his sentiments could arguably be, could have could have fallen uh, the other way. But the fact that he's come out against this is interesting, not particularly outspoken about sport at all normally. Um, So for him to come out and quite early as well is interesting. I think the other thing is about what you're saying with regard to causing restrictions to be put in place to hamper or prevent, even prevent the whole thing happening. Um, I think that would require some kind of an all party agreement, wouldn't it? Um, And probably would get it, I think, because the feeling seems to be strong in the vast majority of people from what I'm gauging in these early stages.
0: Yeah, I mean the fan the fan outcry has been huge. Um just today you've seen not just fans but players. Um you've got hmm. so many of them speaking out in one way or another uh, against this entire idea. Um and you know when we when the glazers took over uh you know 20 years ago and people were worried about their their, their American stance on the way they want to americanize things and i think everybody just kind of waved it off as something that you know wouldn't come to fruition 25 years later we're we're at that situation now where it's very much coming to fruition um there Mm. were i I was watching sky sports news earlier um and um they had an unnamed source from one of the big, big six boards um and they, uh, they had some quite shocking quotes come out of the boardroom. Uh, our primary job is to maximize our revenues and profits. The wider good of the game is a secondary concern. Uh, there are also rumors wow. of splits with some board members against the Super League, uh, but they yeah. felt powerless to stop it because they weren't the main money men. Um, and most importantly, uh, a lot of these new American owners and current American owners uh, simply, and I quote, cannot get their head around the idea of relegation and do not understand its purpose. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's going to be fractious. It's going to be divisive, isn't it? I'm not surprised to hear there's divisions between boardrooms um, because, yeah, there's going to be a difference of opinions on this. There's people who are just looking at the greedy side and looking at the opportunities for those individual clubs and particularly the monetization of everything related to that and there's going to be others that are probably more traditionalist maybe they're the old chairmen who are still on the board after a takeover they might just be people with better sensibilities I like to think our man Paul Barber at Brighton would be in that latter camp as well um, but uh, you know in terms of as, as, a, as a, um, a representation of the wider picture so Obviously, Barb's not in one of the big six clubs, but there must be people like him in similar positions in the other boardrooms. So it's, it's an interesting thing. It seems like there's an inevitable narrative that we mentioned it's lingering for 20 years or so. There's an inevitable narrative that's coming to fruition. And actually, someone sent me a link to the Guardian article. Um, I won't read it all out here, but it's by um, Barney Rone, and it's entitled Power Grab in the Pandemic. How the absence of fans gave greedy owners their chance. Um, I'd recommend everyone to look that up because I think that describes very well the passage and the pathway we've gone in. It's a pathway um paved with dog shit. <laughs> it's been it's been a pathway that's been slowly trodden for some time. Um, but it's it is absolutely sums up that article sums up where we've been going with this. It's since the Premier League was founded, it's a hugely successful model. It's in a way, in a sense, it's it's almost too good (laughs) because it's attracted the notion of right that's good what next and it's arch capitalism it's a successful model but there is the problem that it leads to the next step and there's always going to be a next step it was a matter of when it seems now is that time um where does it go from here what is actually going to be the the outcome of this we don't know but for sure without any shadow of a doubt This is going to change the landscape of football forever. And I think the overwhelming majority of people think not for good either. Um, I don't know anybody. I haven't spoken to anyone that's given me not just a credible argument, but any argument at all. Nobody I've spoken to, um, albeit this is quite early days, has had any um, interest in Super League at all. I've got friends of several of the, the bigger clubs, Um, none of them, Um, a friend of mine who's an Arsenal fan, a friend of mine who's a Spurs fan, um, a friend of mine who's a Liverpool fan, have all so far come out in damning condemnation of it. They're not in favour of it. I think that's only one of each club, but I'm pretty sure they represent the majority at those big six clubs. So these guys, I think they know this as well. They know that football fans in this country, we can only speak for really, but in this country, they're all very traditionalists. They've got a sense of history. They've got a sense of um, legacy through the generations and I think the clubs have some semblance at least of that concept and that is where their, their sensibilities lie so the, I can only conclude that they just don't give a shit they they just don't give a shit it's about greed, greed is good that's the that's the um, mantra isn't it um, it's very much the American capitalist model and you know it, it could be good it could be good for economies it does to a certain extent need something like that But this is where it goes to the extreme. There's no, there's no leash, is there, for this kind of greedy version of capitalism? And it's, it's permeating the English game. I think the crux of it is two things. I think one is the advent of more foreign ownership. Um, Obviously, American owners at the likes of Liverpool and Manchester United. They're very cynical businessmen. Greed is good is very much the mantra at. uh, Fenway Sports Group, I believe, and um, the yep, Glazers speaks so. for itself, doesn't it? The Glazers, we all know about that. They're they're basically sucking Manchester United drive right from the off, even with the takeover with Leverage buyout, wasn't it? I think. Um, and then you've got um, the Arab states and their influences, and you've got a Russian in Ab- Abramovich Abra, Abra, trying to get the word out, who <laughs> is not a popular figure. I don't think you know he's not even allowed to live in the country now, apparently. Um, but he's always been very selfish. As a Brighton fan, um, we had Dick Knight at, um, at a fans group meeting once. And he said that Chelsea was the only club out of 92 who didn't sign a petition. There was simply that, just a petition. No, no hassle for any of the clubs other than two minutes of their time signing a petition to try and allow us to persuade the government that we should have a new stadium, which, of course, we have now got. But Chelsea... And it's on Abramovich's order with the only club that did not sign that um, petition. It's one of a number of petitions we put out. Um, That just tells you all you need to know about Abramovich and where his sensibilities lie. Um, It's not a surprise. It's not a surprise with the American owners. And it's not a surprise with the Arab owners. Um, They're just looking at one thing and one thing only. Improving their clubs um, as extensions of themselves, either for finance or ego. And yep. nothing more besides
0: to to address a couple of questions in the chat uh amir nice to see you mile high seagulls uh he yes, he, <laughs> he says he's uh he's read rumors about the english english premier league expelling teams and is this a possibility is it legal uh pardon his noviceness this is madness uh yes it's perfectly legal uh amir um, it's literally in the Premier League rule book. It is L9 in the rule book that you should not be comp- like taking part in any competition uh, that is not based uh, within FIFA and UEFA sanctioned competitions. Uh, Kyle uh, is also in the chat. Uh, he is a uh, now, now self-proclaimed ex-Manchester United fan in Texas. Um, he is a good friend of mine as well. Um, this is... You know, this is someone that's a Cowboys fan, a Mavericks fan. This is someone that is very well aware of how the American model works. They're very well aware of how it works and support it when it when it's, you know, in, important to that culture in that time. And the thing is, is that as of right now, being in the U.S., I, I've spoken to probably a dozen Americans today that I would consider... Uh, non-casuals um, in terms of, you know, they've been supporting the teams for a fair old while and not a single one of them are for it. Every single one of them, even people that have jumped onto the Brighton shit, you know, two two years ago are all against this idea. Um, and I think the thing is, and I said this last night in a tweet, these these clubs, these greedy, greedy 12 clubs owned by these these pigs are relying on, those casuals in america in asia uh, and and you know across the world to not care and to tune in anyway because that's what they want and this is a chance for the entire world essentially to tell them to piss off and that this isn't something that's going to happen um we've also got green acres in the chat, uh, saying the sad thing is, and I know Josh probably sees this, but a lot of the American crowd slash casuals are for this, um, and he's an American as well. He believes this is a dog shit idea. Um, so you know, uh, there is a worry that there are a lot of Americans and, and Australians and you know Japanese, Chinese, Indians that are all for this, but I haven't met one yet, and I've spoken to quite a few in the last twenty four hours. So I, I understand the worry because I have it too, but I'm starting to think that it even even now there's there's not a great deal of um of, of thirst for this from from even the the kind of international casual fans. Um, there has been huge shots fired in Italy. Torino president Urbano Cairo calling Inter Milan CEO Judas um in a meeting face to face after their after their game this afternoon. Um. Leeds, of course, today, I'm sure you saw that. Leeds uh, put up, you know, did a lot of very quick work and got some t shirts printed out uh, saying that, you know, football is for the fans, earn it with a Champions League logo on the front. Um, There were almost a thousand fans, I believe, outside of uh, Elm Road protesting today, uh, chasing down the the buses, going absolutely mental. Um, And, you know, this is just today. This isn't this isn't week thirty seven of the Premier League where we've got twenty five thousand in stadiums, like this is just day one. This is this is going to get very very messy, um, and you know this isn't even this is just in a UK scale. We're not talking about the, the European scale where you've got you know UEFA's uh, Alexander Seferin confirming that players will be banned from playing in the World Cup and Euros. Uh, they will not be allowed to play for their national teams ever while they play for these teams. In in terms of banning them from the league, do you think that the FA have the balls to do it? It seems, And the reason I ask about the FA is because it seems pretty clear that UEFA are very much willing to press the big red button. It seems that they are very much on board with just mutually assured destruction is the way we'll go if necessary. Do you think the FA have the balls to do it?
1: Well, the FA... um sweet fa relates to apparently fanny adams but i think in terms of the the football association i mean there's a different fa we think of uh usually when we're describing them isn't it um they've been pretty pathetic on a number of issues through the years on this one in this modern era uh, maybe a new regime i don't know i'm not quite sure i don't don't really know because it strikes at the very heart of the game i think the consequences of of being inert and being uh powder puff about this whole thing is just not palatable um because it will it will lead if it we're not robust enough it will lead to the worst case scenario for everybody uh, we have to fight this um whether or not it's a robust right you're out because you're definitely going for it scenario or whether it's a managed to turn them at the last minute scenario i don't know but i'm not convinced i'm not that confident with them I think the Premier League is, will be interesting because that is a success model. They're very well run. They will no doubt be sharpening their lawyers' teeth ready for the battle ahead because it is going to go legal, isn't it? There's no doubt about that. I think in answer to Emma's question, I think mean, definitely there's going to be some legal shenanigans somewhere. It might not be about preventing our players from playing here, but there's going to be issues to do with... Um, the contract arrangements, the whole thing about playing for England, and whether that's depriving their players and then, therefore, devaluing them or something. There'll be all sorts of arguments going on. There will be legal issues, um, and it's going to be a complete shit show. They, if they do go ahead with this, if this is actually happening, and they they're out there and they've they've left officially, and if it goes sour, and if what you're saying is true, because that's the bit I don't know about the um the, the um the mindset of the. Fans in those target countries that they're now aiming for, which is America, Australia, Asia, as you said. Um, if what you say is true, and actually there's not that much um, interest in that, um, what are they going to do then? <laughs> because then they've got a, well, basically like a dead duck, haven't they? And coming back in after you've burned your bridges is not going to be, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be very interesting if that scenario occurs. Um, whether it will come to that, I don't know. But yeah, well, I, I would Yeah,
0: if they were to come back I would like them to be re, I think they would have to re-register I think they'd have to start yeah. I think they'd have to start at the bottom and play Hailsham and Shoreham and you know all these teams uh, and all these teams in London they can play the Met Police you know and they can make their own way up that's to me if they were to go and it was to be full on I, I would say that that is it um, Amir is just asked what do you guys expect comes off of the English Premier League meeting tomorrow well that's we kind of discussing it, but for me, I, I hope that I hope that they stick to their guns. I hope that they go down the route of we will we will go to the very very end with this uh, because we know the fans will. Um, this is the one time we need them to back us up because we are truly powerless in the big world with the money to stop them doing this. If you don't back us up, and that needs to be the first thing that needs to happen. Uh, I'm very, very, very curious uh, to see what Paul Barber is going to have to say. Uh, I, they have been very quiet so far, the Albion in general. Um, and, you know, this this decision is going to be something that will have seismic waves across the entire continent of football. Mm. Um, you know, Brighton are one of thousands of clubs that will be hugely affected by this if they go ahead with this. And Paul Barber being a very, very good friend uh, of, of, you know, the Spurs owner, that yeah. would be a huge. Uh, I'm very intrigued to see what he has to say. Um, he's very eloquent. He he definitely isn't afraid of putting his thoughts on it. Potter today was asked in his interview what he thought. He gave uh, as much of an answer as he could. I think he was very much in the in the camp of he'd been told by Tony and Paul to keep quiet. <laughs> hmm. Um and you know, they were preparing a statement and a manoeuvre. Hmm. Um, and I think that I'm intrigued to see where that comes from. But I, I just hope that all 14 of them are united in in essentially going absolutely yeah. nuclear on this.
1: I think they will, or at least most of them will. Um, there's a lot of well-run clubs there. Um, you have got probably a greater proportion of English ownership a little bit further down as well, but moreover, it's yeah, I think there'll be in general, I think it's in their interests to be against this in every way. Um, it, it just you know, that I, 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 there's no reason for them not to be. And as I said, same same thing about the FA. It's in everyone's interest to be as robust and as stern on this as possible, as soon as possible. Obviously, the clubs are going to wait until that Premier League meeting has taken place, so you are not going to hear anything of significance until then and maybe just until time for prep of statements afterwards. Um, I think we'll be fairly quick after that point, uh, Brighton will, to you know, to hear what happens next, what what our stance is on it. I suspect he'll be against it fully, because um, that makes sense. He was against Project Picture, um, so there's no reason he wouldn't be against this as well. Um, one other thing I wanted to add as well was the timing of this is very cynical. Um, the Guardian interview I mentioned, an uh, uh, article that I mentioned, does talk about the timing, um, and it's mentioned in the uh, in the headline there that the, the lack of crowds made it more of an opportune moment for them to to go for it. Um, it also mentions the fact that um, it confirmed something they probably already knew: these clubs that they could function without fans, financially speaking. So it wasn't going to be a case of you have to have the fans on side to to even think about doing this. They now have confirmation of what they already thought, which is that you can get away with it from that point of view. The question is, what is the product going to be like if you've got fake crowd noise? If everyone on mass boycotts going in the UK for games played here, uh, assuming the games, the home games would be played here um, in that European competition, then how does that affect the product? Does that ruin it? Because for me, I can't wait to see fans back in stadiums. I don't like the crowd noise. It is a bit of a weird one. It kind of, it's it slightly, uh, you forget a little bit that you're, you're watching a game with no fans in there, but it doesn't really work. And, and it's about a visual thing as well, isn't it? It's about seeing the emotion on the faces of fans near where the players are celebrating, all that kind of thing. Um, how much of the, uh, the quality of the product that was so successful the, for the Premier League was about that. If you listen to anybody who, say, for example, the Thierry Henry era of, of players that came to England, um, time and time again, I've heard interviews where they've said one of the big attractions of coming to England, apart from obviously money for the pay, was the the closeness of the crowd to the pitch and a lot of the stadiums and the passion of fans in general. Um, if you haven't got those two things, because the fans aren't there, because hopefully they would protest en masse, at least for those games, um, how does that affect the product? Because that seems to be one of the successes of the Premier League product. That's what those players that came in the past had seen on TV while they're cutting their teeth in other countries. And clearly that's that's part of what makes it exciting. I, mean, I think we can both agree, but probably all of us that are listening as well could agree that, you know, that is part of the fun, isn't it? It's not just good quality football. It's what's going on aside from that, the atmosphere, the animation, the drama, the collective feeling and emotion that's at games. Albeit that's being taken away by VAR a bit. But anyway, that's another matter. <laughs> Do you think um, they would just those... leave? Do you think
0: they would just what? go, okay, like if you're not going to show up, we'll take our games to America. We'll go to India. We'll go to China. We'll go to Japan. We'll go to Malaysia. We'll go to Australia. We'll play our European games there. Do you I think that's a possibility?
1: Surprised. It's possible, yeah. I mean, they put a huge amount of investment, most of the clubs, into stadium stuff recently. Spurs have built a new stadium. Liverpool have rebuilt half their stadium. or at least there's plans to continue with that at the moment. Um, Obviously, Man City have got um, a a stadium as well there that is fairly new as well, and they've extended that at one point. You know, it's a big move, but they might do that. They might do. There's certainly... There's been this 39th game issue, hasn't there? That's one of the other points that's circled around for a number of years and has always irritated me. I don't quite understand how that would work to start with. But secondly... It Again, it just distorts the traditions and the integrity of the competition. Um, It's a product that's successful because it is what it is. That's what people want. Um, If you start tweaking it too much, you're taking away the appeal uh, that was there in the first place. Um, But the 39th game, this is kind of a a very large-scale extension of that if they do start playing abroad in other countries. Um, I definitely think they will do that as part of it, I think, I wouldn't be surprised at all with that. Whether they go whole hog on that and actually move out, (laughs) who knows? Um, But I would like to think that the Premier League clubs and the EFL clubs would all stand against allowing any of these clubs to stay in the English system for domestic games um, because, quite frankly, they can piss off (laughs) if that's what they go. If they want to do that, they can do it and they can stay out of the English um, domestic system because... I've had enough of that, to be honest. I I think I could probably, again, I, I can only guess I'm speaking for the majority, but for me, I've had enough of this. It's too much about the money. It's, yeah, you've got to have money at the top end, and I understand that. And as Brighton fans, we're in that division. We fought damn hard to get there. We've gone through all sorts of adversity. We've had to come back from the brink, from dodgy owners. We've had to fight to get a stadium. It took over a decade to get. We've had... To play we played it by the rules we played it by the book with financial fair play and running the club and getting the structure in the right order and doing things the right way we've watched clubs like Bournemouth jump in ahead of us because they've thrown money at it in the wrong way in my opinion we 've done it the right way we've had gradual careful considered and sustainable um, plans in place we've got into that top flight at long last and as I said in our uh, I think that went on the Argus website today um you know we fought damn hard to get to that top table and now people at one end of the table are putting up a partition screen and they're inviting their distant cousins in um from italy and from spain and we are effectively being told to just have breadcrumbs thrown over the screen or being consigned to the pantry next door and, and, be, gr-
0: and be grateful for it as well that yeah, seems to be the yeah, thing that we're in test- this, like, yeah, this we're supposed to say, say thank
1: you so much yeah, um, And that's it's bullshit anyway, isn't it? This thing about, yeah, oh, we're going to put nonsense. money down the system. You, they could do that under the current system. You don't need to have a new super league to do that, to ruin everything about the traditions of English football. But we'll give you some hammy downs and we should just be grateful for that. No, piss off. If <laughs> it, all six, we don't need that. If all six were really to there. leave,
0: uh, Kyle asked in the yeah. chat, if all six were to leave, are we assuming this stops relegation throughout the leagues and the top six just all get promoted from the championship and we then see a huge shift upwards for teams as the, in throughout the leagues um it, it yeah on paper i would Maybe. say yes like i mean mm. we're not going to suddenly become a 15 team or a 14 team premier league so i think that yeah no, mm. probably is what happens um as of right now it's almost so unthinkable in my head that like i can't get my head around the idea of that being something that happens just because it's <laughs> just i just pray to god we don't get there um, but I think that I think that probably would be the way it goes, right? We need to have a 20-team Premier mm-hmm. League. The the uh, the constitution of this of this, you know, the, it needs to stay exactly as it was. It doesn't need to be. We don't need to dick around with it because of this happening. You know, you stick to the way it's worked and you keep it going that way. Um, I mm-hmm. think that that's exactly what you would have to do. You would have to promote that top six in general. Um, and then see where you go from there. And I think that that's just one of those things. And I think that also, you know, it could end up being a blessing in disguise because if you were to really go ahead and and the government were really to issue, you know, no visa permissions to these teams and all this good stuff and you ex- essentially cut them off. Um, and, you know, I, the way I see that going then is I really do think they essentially become franchises, and these six teams are forced to essentially be exiles from this country, along with the, uh, along with the rest of the European teams. Um, and at that point, you know, they can go and do their league. They can do what they want, but it could be the possibility for a huge major revamp in the way finances work in this country. You can really revamp the entire ownership model of every club. If you wanted to, with the 50 plus one that we have in Germany, There. I've heard a lot of conversation that the ball is basically all the power is in this 12 teams hands because of the sheer amount of money they have behind them. But if the FA and the premier league and the rest of Europe come together and actually draft up and do some brain work that they are so rare to do, but if they really put some brains into this, it could end up being the best thing to ever happen to European football. At the expense of what twelve teams? The fans, I'm devastated for. The clubs themselves, mm. though, do I have any sympathy for those twelve teams? No, you've made your bed. I, you yeah. know, I think that it could not end for the up being teams, not
1: for the clubs. No, no, for the fans. Yeah, the fans,
0: the fans. It's awful. Mm. Like, uh, yeah. and I don't know if you've seen it, but after the Leeds Liverpool game, which ended one-one, by the way, Le- Leeds scored late on. Um, Bamford has been on. Uh, and has said from what i've seen on twitter i haven't seen one football fan who's happy about the esl footballs for the fans without the fans football clubs would be nothing it's important we stand our ground it's amazing the amount of uproar when someone's pocket is being hurt it's a shame that we don't respond the same way with issues like racism Uh, james milner has also came out and said i can only say my own opinion i don't like it and i hope it doesn't happen for the same reasons as everybody else So we are, you know, we're one game in after this shit show was announced and we've already got players on mic happily coming out and saying this is not a great idea.
1: Yeah. And what Bamford said, I'm guessing might be alluding to UEFA's stance, very robust statement. Again, they seem to be a million times more robust talking about things to do with commercial infractions or, or something like this than they are about talking about racism for which they have an absolutely pathetic record ongoing. The latest one, that 10-match ban, was a joke. Um, yes, I do want them to have, make a robust statement, so I'm glad they have, but it is arch hypocrisy to to, to complain about one thing like this, and then they're, they're pathetic in other ways. Um, but yeah, his, his point is interesting, Bamford. I think that's, that's right. The other thing is, you know, as football fans, I mean, I don't know how you feel, Josh, but and um, For me, um, maybe it's to do with the generational thing as well, because I'm a bit older, but 1992 when the Premier League was formed, um, even that in itself, the fact that you've now got the Premier League and that you refer to records in the Premier League era, it's, it's a tradition that goes back, this, this football, you know, a, over a century, way over a century, um, more or less a century and a half, isn't it, thereabouts? In fact, it, it's more than that, I think, Um and you've got that whole load of historical records of who was the best team in England. But now you've got this odd thing of all oh, the Premier League era and Premier League champions. And, you know, that when Liverpool hadn't won the title, it was, oh, Liverpool had never won the Premier League. That just sounds odd because they're the most successful team apart from Man United in the history of the game in England at that point. And yet you're making a statement that doesn't quite make sense. So the Premier League itself and that whole thing of Football League in the old days versus that really bugged me anyway. Something like this... If you can imagine the scenario of football fans trying to process how they're going to talk about we're in this Super League, we've we finished here, the highest we've finished, the best we've done is this team might say they've won it, whatever. And then you try and refer back to your records in the English, historical English system, how many titles you won. And especially if those teams are kicked out and they're no longer able to compete in the tournament, it just makes a real mess of a long standing tradition that could have just had this long history that just continues uh, to to prevail the whole way through now you've you've got this mess haven't you it's it's just everything becomes much more awkward and distorted, and i don 't like it I really don 't like that um, in terms of the american system it's interesting things like the draft model seems to be an interesting thing that works well it is very very much an equality thing isn't it It seems to be very Leveling. I don't know much about American sport uh, for any of the American listeners out there. Sorry, I can't comment too much on it. But um, I think those things clearly work in America because they're, they're popular um, as sports. Whether people are like the systems, I don't know. But what I do know is that system just wouldn't work. A lack of jeopardy um, for, the, for the fans of those big uh, six clubs in England. The lack of jeopardy is something I can't see them any of, any of the true fans really appealing to that. No relegation. Um, it just takes the drama out of it. I mean, we all love the fact Leicester came from nowhere and won the title when they nearly got relegated the year before. Um, for neutrals, we love the fact that Man United or Arsenal miss out in the top four and someone like you know, West Ham goes in. You think, oh, great, that's something a bit different. Um, not having that jeopardy in itself is one thing, um, but being in that Super League and not having the risk of getting relegated out of it, what kind of a competition is that? As I said, it does. In English sport... It's just not done. It's American owners driving this amongst others, but the English public wouldn't like it. The question is, are they even worried about that? Is that even a thing for them?
0: Yeah, I think, and I said this to one of my friends earlier because they were talking about it too. And, and you know, they said, you know, what does that look like over there? Is it boring kind of thing? And like, the thing is, is like, it's, it's okay over here. It, like the entire infrastructure is built for it from the ground up, from yeah. elementary school all the way up. The the NFL, the MLB, the NHL, like from the very youngest age to the elite teams, it's all built to feed into that structure. It's it's how Hmm. it was founded and how it was formed. If you if you suddenly tried to implement promotion and relegation into the NFL tomorrow, it'd be an absolute shit show. It'd be chaos just like this. (laughs) The entire country would have an absolute meltdown if they realized that the Cleveland Browns could become you know, a nothing team in three years, hmm. if they don't try hard, it would be an absolute mess. And, you know, th- there are drawbacks as well. Like you've got teams like Washington, right? A couple of years ago, they, I remember seeing a picture um, that at halftime of like game five, they were 0-5 in the league. So they hadn't won any games. The 16 teams, the 16 games in the season, they had, They were 30-something down. So they were like basically four or five scores down. And there was no one in the stadium. Everyone had left because (laughs) there was no way they were going to win that game. And there was furthermore no way that they were going to do anything of any kind of semblance of achievement that season. Hmm. If you think that, you know, how many of these Arsenal fans are gonna be showing up at the Emirates, even if even if they do all sign on and say, yep, we're for it, we'll just support you anyway. And that's a that's an if that is just not gonna happen in my head. But if that was to happen and that we get five games in, ten games in, and Arsenal have played ten, lost eight, drawn one one, one, and you know, they're thirty-two points back <laughs> on on Barcelona, who are romping the league. Who's going to show up to the Emirates to watch to watch them play Juventus in a glorified friendly that means nothing to them, nothing at well, exactly.
1: all. Exactly, exactly. Um, the other thing is we've, we've obviously with COVID we've had all these issues further down the food chain in terms of um, uh, you know what, what's going to happen with seasons being curtailed, and also we've had Macclesfield and uh, in all essence Barry going under, and that's screwed up the tables down in the lower reaches of the EFL. And, you know, if you, you mentioned about the, you know, the six clubs, what do you do with getting another six back into the prem? I guess they might restructure it. They might make it 18 because they might use the opportunity to reduce it a little bit. I don't know, but either way around. Um, yeah. What do you do? That's a, quite a load of chaos. Um, if it were to be needed to be implemented for next season, there's hardly any time for that. Um. It's almost the point where some clubs might not want to go up this soon because there might be some reasons why they're not expecting to have done and then they they do. What do you do? Do you do you let the top six come up and keep the three relegated teams down? Do you just let the top three up uh, or do the usual thing, the top two plus playoffs go up and the top three survive? It seems, with all due respect to Sheffield United, it seems like one hell of a get-out-of-jail-free card with, what what is it, 14 points or something they've got at the moment, I think something like that. And um, they've gone down with extra anchovies this season. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, they're not—they're not, they're not a team that was good enough at all. You could say they don't really deserve to have another go at it. Um, I, you know, I don't really care. Um, it it doesn't, doesn't really matter which teams, from my point of view. But you would have to say teams that have fought tooth and nail to come up, maybe deserve their shot, especially as there's some interesting sides in there, the likes of Barnsley and Brentford. But you know, it's it's it that's another whole shit show as well i mean when does this happen it did i think the statement said something they would like this to go ahead as soon as it's practicable i think or something like that they said didn't they so yeah. whether that means and we're talking a couple of years down that, the line or not
0: well to add to that a further UEFA meeting will now take place within the next 24 hours this was a couple of hours ago that hmm. this was put out Uh, there will be a motion to formally expel Arsenal, Manchester United Man City, Chelsea and Real Madrid from all the competitions, Euro competitions that they're currently still in Uh, meeting will also decide how the competitions will then be completed if they do that in the next 24 hours and they really go there then they're going to have to enforce they're going to have to put this into motion for next season because they've got no European competition or money to play in so they will have to and if that's yeah, the Yeah, I mean, you know, look, look
1: who's in the Champions League, not surprisingly, look who's in the Champions League semi-finals. Do they kick those teams out? <laughs> you've got Man City, you've got Chelsea, you've got Real Madrid, and you've got... Who's the other one? i forgot PSG. PSG, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you've got one team there that's in favour with UEFA out of the four. Well, what do they do there? Just Because even the losing sides, Liverpool, they're, they're still in there. Bayern Munich, OK, you can have them back in, I guess. But that, that's all just a mess, isn't it? I guess in the short term, maybe that's what they might have to do. Um, but I mean the, the interesting thing is yeah how, what do you do when do you when is this going to happen um, I think because of legal wranglings because of maybe a period of negotiation possibly if things can stay amicable for a while if the realities are dawning that this is going to happen um, maybe there's a period of negotiation involved maybe it goes on a year before anything happens or even longer I don't know but um, one thing for sure I know it's, it's repulsing the vast majority of people I think it's vile, it's, it, it, it pisses on everything to do with the tradition of the game, not just in England, we're talking about England because we're in England, but I'd imagine the Spanish fans feel the same, um, maybe the Real Madrid and Barca fans don't, I don't know, but the rest of the fans certainly will, and I would imagine it's also the same in, um, in Italy as well.
0: In terms of the Albion, because obviously it's going to hit closer to home, uh, for us yeah. as much as anybody else, right? Like we're, we're also a team that's going to suffer big time. Um, would you, ha- how do you think they're going to approach this with all of the, met- they're so methodical and they're so thoughtful with everything they mm-hmm. do. They're so, you know, like you said, we've, we've worked so hard to come together the right way, not the Bournemouth way, where they break financial fair play and go down and look like, mm-hmm. you know, a shell of what they were. Do you? How do you think? How do you think that bordering was when Paul and Tony got together during this news coming out? Do you think that they were just absolutely irate? Uh, is Tony? Is Tony in Australia right now, or is he back? I'm assuming he's probably back.
1: I'm not sure actually. No, I'm not sure. But I mean, I, I don't know how they feel about it. I mean, on the one hand, I would imagine they want to protect the existing integrity of the tournaments and want them to not break away and just stay where they are. I guess in a weird sort of way, clubs like Brighton and certainly the teams I mentioned earlier, Leeds, Aston Villa, maybe West Ham, maybe Leicester, those are the kind of teams that weirdly would benefit from the rest being kicked out, if that's what happens, because then we're actually able to compete for the domestic um, English champions uh, on our army. Um, Bizarrely, Brighton become actually a a possibility (laughs) to do that, which seems bizarre in the extreme. Um, that's, if, that's if it goes ahead and if we uh, kick everyone out that's involved, the six teams but, um, so I guess they've got mixed feelings about it but I imagine they I, I can't speak for them but I imagine they would want to preserve the integrity of the tournaments as they are and keep the traditions keep those clubs in but I don't think they'll be held to ransom for anything either uh, knowing how tough a negotiator um, Tony is and, um, and Paul Barber no doubt the same
0: Yeah, I think that that's the beauty of it, right? Like, if I if I had to ask anybody in the footballing world to enter a room with these people and go toe to toe, Tony Bloom is one of them. He he is he's the lizard for a reason. (laughs) He is, uh, you know, he is an expert at this kind of stuff. Uh, Barber (laughs) is a hard case as well, Um, and that's just two of the of the people out of those fourteen teams. And there are plenty of others in there that will, you know, be the same way. Uh, in terms of tomorrow, has a little bit of extra spin on the game, doesn't it? For Chelsea, um, do you what? Do you, what do you hope to see from the Albion tomorrow? We've seen Leeds today do what they've done. A lot of people I've seen yeah. online are saying that Brighton would never do it. It's just not their style to be that kind of out there with it. Would you be would you be disappointed if we didn't make similar statements in the in the t-shirts and the banners and stuff like that? Personally, I would be. I, I really would be disappointed if we don't make a similar, just mm. statement. Um, you know, we don't know them personally, but I know enough uh, of people like Lewis Dunk, of people like Webster, of people. You know, these people are not going to be for this. They are going to be disgusted by this idea. People mm. like Bissouma that are, you know, maybe a year or two from being one of their country's biggest players, are not going to be pro anything to do with this because, you know, the rumors have been going in the summer. Well, if he goes to any of the teams that have been bandied around, he can't play for Mali anymore. So, I mean, mm. I hope, I do hope that the team in some way, shape, or form come out and say what they think.
1: Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I would like to see. Some kind of action that it, it's it's a timely thing because we happen to be playing just after, as as Leeds have been, and um, yeah, I would like to see some kind of statement. Um, whether the club want to do that or not, whether they'll allow the, the players to express themselves or not accordingly, I I doubt they would. They would they would they would allow them to do it if they were in favour of it, um, fully in favour of it, and encouraging it. Um, where they'll stand on it, I don't know, but um, I would like to see some statement made. And there is rumours that Chelsea fans are planning to protest as well, by the way, um, similarly to Leeds fans. Um, so you could even pin um, immoral behaviour in terms of inciting illegal gatherings in this, still this <laughs> partial lockdown period. Um, you could blame the big six for that as well now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it, it, yeah I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not too fussed either way about it, but I, I think it would be nice to see a gesture made at this stage. Um, if it can be done without compromising any of kind of the wider the wider profile that the club wants to present, yeah, um, we'll see, and we'll we'll see see what happens. I mean, I'm hoping that uh, the biggest shock will be us winning at Chelsea tomorrow. but We'll see how that goes. Um, it, yeah, in terms of where we go from here, I think there's just going to be a load of periods, isn't there, that we're going to go through now as. A process envelops. um how do you see it panning out overall do you see it being quite a long-term long drawn out affair before we actually get to a final situation
0: no i don't i don't think we've got the luxury of time do you i mean i think like we said if they if they expel them tomorrow you know there's no there is no long drawn outness of it i think they're gone and yeah if you wait we've got, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've got champions league games in a week or two you know what i mean there's no there is no room for um for the time to to maneuver here i think that i think that on the whole of it if they go ahead with it and they really do go ahead with it and everything goes forward um i think that you're going to see this go on for years in terms of lawsuits you know class mm-hmm. action lawsuits will be all over the place season ticket holders Paid money to be season ticket holders for Premier League games. They paid money uh, for all of these, you know, for all of these tournaments that they're no longer participating in. At that point, those super, those Super League, those se- their season tickets are not valid. I'm sure that there can be a huge contract law, you know, lawsuit put out there, and they are, you know, these Manchester United, these Liverpool, they're not going to want to refund eighty thousand season tickets. Um, yeah, and you know that's those sort of things are going to go on for years um you're going to see the exact same thing happen if the if the uk government does turn around and say we're not giving you any visas then that's that's Mm -hmm. something that is going to be challenged and then beaten or lost or you know defeated or whatever it is and that's going to just keep going on and on and on and on i think I think it's going to be at least if this goes fully on the way, I think there are going to be, be numerous players that refuse to play. Hmm. Uh, and that's yeah. going to be a whole shit show in and of itself. <laughs> um, I don't, <laughs> I don't know which players those will be, but I'm sure there will be, you know, a select group of players, even if it's, even if it's half a dozen, you know, it only takes one of those to be a Bruno Fernandes or, you know, a Marcus Rashford or a Messi or a Ronaldo. And, you know, there's deep trouble there legally too, um, because I'm sure they can use the same reasoning, right? We signed a contract to play Premier League games. We're supposed to be getting, uh, you know, I'm supposed to be getting 250 grand when I've scored 20 Premier League goals. Well, I can't score Premier League yeah. goals anymore. So how are you going to pay me?
1: And the other thing is, I mean, we look at, for example, Persuma, all the talk is about how he's really stepping up towards a world-class persona, how so many clubs are looking at him apparently he's been scouted countless times in person um, by clubs so obviously that's, that's been up front and the club will know about it because they've had to give permission for them to come to the game and um, you know, and he's clearly at the top of his rising towards the top of his game um, depending on time scale maybe we use a different example but let's say there's another scenario like Basuma a couple of years down the line let's say there's a European Super League and they let's say we have kicked the, those clubs out of the, the domestic tournament um, if we put some kind of a ban on, we've put legislation in place to prevent those players from being transferred to a Super League club. Um, what's going to happen there? Because you're, you're then preventing that player from getting to the elite part of the game, which in itself is a shame for the player, obviously. But then what happens? I mean, do you get a scenario where you think, OK, well, I'm not going to spend 200 million on one of the top players in the world who's playing for a good team in England? But now, what we'll do is we'll get them to break their contract, um, to break the contract illegally, and then pay the compensation with the money they would have paid as transfer um, through lawsuits. And is something like that a scenario that could occur, uh, or are there other things we haven't thought of similar to that? There's a whole minefield of different situations. Or do you get a do you get a bottleneck where the players aren't able to actually step onto their potential level because of a, uh, a restriction? That's that's going to be interesting as well, if that happens.
0: Yeah, you've all, I mean, to add to that, because it's spot spot on, like, there's a lot of things that I didn't even think about with the breaking of contracts and stuff and, like, really shady stuff. Um, Hmm. Like, add to it the idea of, like, you know, they're saying that this is going to be the elite league and you're going to see the best players playing the best players. I don't want to watch the best players playing the best players in a friendly. I want to watch the best players playing the best players to something that matters. And I've seen enough hmm. players come out today say that this doesn't matter. Like hmm. they don't care. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. There's it's no, boring. There's, unless, yeah.
1: unless you support the club, it's boring. Um, FA Cup semi-finals, for example, um, I know this is different for other people, but for me, I'm not that fussed about watching the Man City-Chelsea game, except the highlights. I watch the highlights because you're, you're seeing the best of moments from those best players. But I don't particularly want to watch it. I'm not invested in it. It's one big club or another big club who's going to advance into the final and be favourites against Leicester or Southampton. Um, Now we know it's Leicester. I wouldn't mind watching the final because I think, oh, Leicester, they've never won the FA Cup. They're up against Chelsea, who, you know, they could beat. That could be an interesting game. I get bored of watching the big versus big games. I don't like it. I'm bored of it. Um, The BBC, when they get to, they have some interesting games in the lower league, um, lower rounds of the FA Cup when it gets to the third round if there's a premier league top match game you know i think one year it's liverpool man u okay you can understand that cuz that's a massive game but let's say you've got there's there's i don't know everton against chelsea or something and they put that on i'm not interested in that in the third round i want to see um a team from the national league premier playing a team from um the bottom of the championship or from top of league one sometimes they pick those games sometimes they don't but I'm always more as a neutral more interested in those games yeah I I watch some champions league but I don't I can't say I watch a lot of the group games it's only when it gets to the knockout stages and again I don't know if I'm a typical neutral in that regard but I'm not really interested till it gets interesting if you know what I mean
0: yeah Um, and and I think to add to that like when you do when you look at those it's hmm. it's in terms of the Champions League, like, you know, and I, I don't pay attention to the group stage either. When it comes to the FA Cup, I would love them to put up viewership figures to show that that's true. How many people, mm. when they're going, if they went head to head, how many people are going to watch Manchester United play Liverpool, even, even that big of a group? How many people in the UK are going to tune in in the third round of the FA Cup with, with reserve teams, no doubt? playing manchester united versus liverpool or chelsea versus marine because i can tell you at least for the first half an hour before it's seven nothing that marine (laughs) game like that marine game is gonna outnumber the united liverpool game by you know a a factor of five there's gonna be everybody's gonna want to watch that because why would you not want to watch it there was i can't remember which team it was last year where they actually had on the boards the numbers of the houses hmm. behind them because yeah, it's that's right into yeah. their yeah. gardens and I like can't
1: remember the team now. Yeah.
0: you can't you that's that's football you can't
1: yeah that's what i'm interested in that. if i watch those games I, I want to see the fans i want to see the human stories the occasional fan you're never normally going to see who's got this one in a lifetime opportunity to be on tv talking about their tiny club maybe that never gets anywhere near the first round of the cup. Now they're in the third round and they're playing a, a big team and, or, or whatever it is, even a, they're playing a league one team in the first round. I'm interested in that. I want to hear those stories. I want to know about those fans. And I want to, I like the coverage on, for example, BT sport are very good for that because they do pick up some good games and they do have a lot of feature coverage, including it before the match. And I'm interested in that. It's like, you know, on football focus on cup, cup early round days where they're in the, they're in the, um, the sports bar just before the game or whatever, the clubhouse, and, you you know, they're going around. There's a load of fans in the background, all that sort of stuff. Everyone's genuinely excited. That's TV for me. Um, it's not, you know, it's not watching the big matches. But the question is, we're English football fans. Um, that's not what they're thinking about. They're thinking about the other markets, aren't they? And the question, and you've alluded to it earlier, maybe not being as, as obviously the case as we thought, maybe the American fans, maybe the Indian fans, maybe the Chinese fans, Japanese fans, Australian fans, um, Middle Eastern fans, wherever else they're targeting with this new initiative, Uh, how many of those fans are going to be in for it uh, to to watch a non-Jeopardy event? All those group games early on, till till it comes to the head, who's going to be watching um, first year or two? I'm sure loads of them would. Maybe a load of our fans will as well over here. But longer term, I don't know. Even even the change in the proposals for the change of the Champions League to try and pacify these big clubs um, I understand why they did it but I don't think they should be doing that because I think the format is as good as it's going to be with a group stage included as it currently stands it's perfectly rounded. Adding another four teams, it just makes it all messy and a bit, a, a bit lopsided and it's, it's just adding some more games. All of that doesn't make sense. We've got to be proud of the domestic product we've got as well and it's being hindered if there's more matches so I wasn't even in favour of UEFA expanding the Champions League although I understand their reasons FIFA with the World Cup being expanded don't get me started on that one though <laughs> that's but, a whole yeah. other, we'll have another podcast on that one I think
0: <laughs> yeah but, for real, I see that uh, the Syria meeting uh, ended without any decision um, they have asked the three AC entering UEFA if the Super League can be still cancelled Uh, and why everything has happened out of nowhere, but no answers. Uh, Sampdoria, Torino and Roma are furious. Lazio and Napoli didn't say anything. Um, To me, that tells me that Lazio and Napoli want in. (laughs) Um, They're probably, (laughs) hopefully, waiting for their call. Uh, Also, another group of teams that I'm sure are eagerly awaiting their call are probably Celtic and Rangers. Um, and, And to me, I think that, you know, when you're starting to get down to that level, no, I was going to say no disrespect, but full disrespect. Uh, <laughs> you're not, you are not a super league. If you're put, if you're put in a team like Celtic or Rangers or Napoli or Lazio, you know, that haven't won a title in thirty forty years or, uh, you know, haven't competed on a European level when it comes to Celtic and Rangers in decades, mm. that's not, you're not a super league. Then you're barely a super league now with Arsenal. <laughs> they can't beat us regularly enough.
1: Well, this is the other thing. I mean, I think that we talked about the timing being cynical. I think um, another element of that is, I mean, it's, it's manifested perfectly this year for them. Hasn't it? The fact that you've got, I think, is it in fifth and ninth, a couple of the top six sides. So it is reemphasizing the point that they are vulnerable to missing out on the big bucks because it's a competitive division, you know, because West Ham have come from nowhere to do well because Leicester are continuing to do well. Um, because a couple of other sides like Everton have stepped on a bit as well, or albeit they've fallen away recently. But, you know, there, there is that vulnerability for those big six to miss out, maybe to go on a run of missing out for a few years. Um, Arsenal don't look like they're getting any better at the moment. And you can see why the owners might think, hang on, we're going to miss the boat if we don't join in with this. But the point is, it shouldn't be of this at all. It shouldn't be there at all. Actually, one my mate, I mentioned the Arsenal fan. He, he texted me this evening, Matthew. Hi to Matthew, if you're listening to this. Um, he said, the whole thing is a disgrace. Um, a big two fingers up to the fans, history and culture of the clubs and the game in general. And then he went on to say, not sure I'll be able to support Arsenal anymore if this goes ahead. Doesn't feel like my club anymore. A sad day. And, you know, he's, he's a proper Arsenal fan. He's a season ticket holder etc. Um, and he's a proper passionate fan. He's not not a plastic in any way, shape or form or anything like that. And he feels like that. I, I haven't spoken to my other Arsenal mates yet, but I imagine they'll feel the same. And um, if that's a representative example of, of, the, of the majority, um, that is a very, as he said, it's a really sad day uh, because it ruins everything, doesn't it? You know, you've got English champions further down the line who might not be the real champions or you've got Man United semi B teams and Liverpool semi B teams playing against us and with mega rich money behind it still. Um it it, it just ruins it all. It, they've, they've tried various things, haven't they? They wanted B teams to come in at the lower levels. We were against that correctly, in my opinion. They they proffered this big picture thing, and you know, that's been thrown out. And I think what that has done is that's made those big six club owners realize, yeah. The supporters are very staunchly against change. We are very traditionalist. We are stuck in the mud and we, will, we won't change easily. We're traditionalist in England, aren't we, in terms of football? And I think in a lot of manners, it's really irritating when people don't move forward quickly. But actually, with football, I think we don't want to move forward quickly because it is good as it is. There's some tweaks you can do to the game, but the overall structure is there. The pyramid's brilliant. It's It's something to be proud of. It goes down so far. Um, My local team, Worthing, get over 1,000 fans at games in the third tier of non-league, which is the seventh tier of football in England. And there's a couple of clubs lower than that that get those kind of crowds. The strength and depth, and it comes from the fact that it's community-based. The club means something to the local area. If you take that away, you're taking everything away.
0: Yeah. I mean spot on like I, these this is the thing like fans if they if they are not happy with this, they will go elsewhere like that's not gonna change you know um it, it's not gonna they're not gonna suddenly get over this when August comes around. This isn't something that's going to be... And I don't know whether these owners think that that's what's going to happen. Whether they think, oh, these idiots will be fine in three months, in four months. When we've signed all the best players, you know, they'll be fine with it. I don't think they will. I think it's just so naive of these owners yeah. to think that this is going to happen. How, I, I'm genuinely speechless as to how they think this is going to go ahead. And the more I read and the more I see things coming through... I'm not sure how it can go ahead. You know, there are so many players, ex players, people in the game, fans by the literal million <laughs> that are all heavily against this. I, yeah. It baffles me as to, I can't, I legitimately can't fathom a, a time in that in August this, this kicks off. I just can't see it happening at this point.
1: I can't imagine that. We're coming up for the 30th anniversary of the Premier League, and there's still a large majority of people still have a lot of issues with the Premier League, how money-orientated it is, how distorted it is between that level and the various other levels below. People are still not letting go about that 30 years later. Imagine how how little they're going to let go of this um, in five years or two years' time, as you said, or or whatever it might be. They're never going to get over that one. Um, a lot of Brighton fans and fans of other clubs of our size who are in the Premier League at the moment, um, still, although they appreciate, you know, the, the football, they appreciate various elements of the Premier League. They also still don't like the corporate element of it. The, the customers as uh, the fans as customers and all that sort of stuff. Um, and the other unsavoury element, amongst many unsavoury elements, that's come out of this in the last couple of days is apparently there's been a lot of referral of fans as legacy fans, i.e. the fans that have been going to games. Um, the implication being, as we've said, that they won't care about that if they drop off, no problem. The fans that are currently going to games, paying for tickets, paying for programmes and merchandise in the shop, they're going to become less and less important. Um, the fact that they're using the word legacy, legacy fans, suggests it's something historic going out in the past. And, um, that it 's it and then you 've got the new marketed uh, fans that are coming in it 's all about social media and it 's all about instant culture and it 's all about the buzz thing that 's going on trending things trend. Everyone talks about one thing for five minutes, then they're on to something else. Music. You look at music. You look at films. I'm a massive film fan. The sort of films that are popular, usually they're shit. Actually, (laughs) let's face it, most of it is. It's awful. It's garbage. The most expensive films and some of the ones that make the most money are shit. (laughs) And the big blockbusters that are good, fine, but you know it's probably one in ten like that. It's the same with with other stuff. It 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 goes by in a short a short period of time. Fads move on. This is football we're talking about. It's got long-standing traditions. It is good as it is. And I'm talking about in La Liga as well, in Syria. They've got a proud history as well. They want to keep it as it is. They don't want to see things change. Um, and unfortunately, it seems it's going more towards the remote fan, the, the fan online, because you're tapping into a huge audience. Um, if you can tailor the times more... If the clubs are running it, which is what's going to happen, they're going to have autonomy, aren't they? It's their own independent, founded league. They have they write the rules, so they can dictate when the games are on. If you're a fan of one of those big six and you want to still go to the games, let's say you're a Man U fan and you want to go to a home game in this Europa, European Super League, um, tough shit. If they want to put it on in the middle of the afternoon to accommodate the, um, the market somewhere else abroad, um, you've got to take a day off work just to go and see the game. And you won't be going to the pub with your mates for a few beers. Uh, you won't be able to take the family because those other mates might be at work. The family will be at school. Just tough shit. And then the whole dynamic of going has is gone, isn't it? So clearly they don't care about that at all. And on that basis, I am disgusted with the whole thing.
0: And and that's the thing, right? And and I saw a couple of people uh, over in East Asia commenting on this and it's like, what's the point? It, you know, me as a, hmm. as a fan or as a consumer that they want me to be, as of right now, it's, what, 11 o'clock in the, at night for you now? It just hit 11 o'clock at night, 6 o'clock here yeah. in the evening. It's just hitting 6 o'clock in the morning for them. So even if they hmm. play at 3 o'clock, it's plus 8 hours. So we're talking, what, late at night already? They're yeah. going to have to yeah. be playing lunchtime kickoffs the whole time. If they play lunchtime kickoffs, it's too early for the Pacific Coast. Yeah. So, this audience that they're hoping they're going to get, they're, they're not going to get it anyway, unless, like I said to you earlier, unless they go away and do it in their own countries and do it in these countries. That's, mm. that's the only way I can see them keeping yeah. or gathering this audience that they're hoping to get, yeah. knowing that, you know, you've got Manchester United are definitely going to come to Tokyo twice a year and Chelsea are definitely going to come to you know Singapore twice a year. Like We know they're going to come, so we're going to be a fan of them and we'll get up as much as we need to because we've got the two-game season ticket to watch them twice. Like, yeah, that's the yeah, only way I up, can see it? them getting it.
1: I think it will happen, and, and they've got the autonomy to do it. They can decide. They, they can say, right, well, we, we're playing the game in Tokyo, bad luck, guys. You know? um you're in dwindling numbers you're dissenting about what we're doing we don't care about you so much anyway we're going to tokyo because there's loads of fans there that want to come and see superstars um and it will go that way i'm, I'm pretty sure it will yeah <laughs> what more to say on that and the other the other question is if if they do have the breakaway and if they do continue to play domestically as well there's obviously the question about the actual schedule At the moment, the proposal is, I think, for them to have midweek games regularly, isn't it? Um, But I wonder if that dynamic might change as well if they they start saying, right, we're going to stay in the Premier League or whatever it is, Serie A, et cetera, but we're going to play our games in that league midweek because we want to play at the weekends because it's more convenient for our audience in different parts of the world with awkward times time differences. To best accommodate it so maybe they can have a one o'clock or i don't know a two o'clock game two o'clock on a saturday that's more doable isn't it because then you can still just about get the american market you can still get the um the asian market is that the next step afterwards again they'll they'll call the shots and they'll just say well we'll leave all together if not um i think they'll end up asking for the saturdays the sundays Anyway, so that, that'll be the other other element, which is why I think we should just tell them to bugger off now. Because I think we'll we'll have to at some point anyway, if this goes ahead.
0: Yeah, this is this is just this yeah. is just the first step, right? Like I think you're right. This yeah. is the first step. Uh City Extra, which is a Manchester City, uh independent Manchester City channel they have 122,000 uh, followers. They are followed by Fabrizio, Fabrizio Romano. So they are very much oh, yeah, in yeah. the know. Uh, they have tweeted out that at Premier League meeting tomorrow, the other teams are already in preliminary agreement uh, to demand Manchester United, Liverpool City, Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham all leave the league at the end of the season. Um, that wow. is supposed to, you know, that's the rumor that's coming out already from... Uh, City extra, which are actually rather pretty you know strong um and and I believe that they 're using the, uh, the, the the source of Martin Lipton um who is also one of those big journals uh, that's probably yeah, yeah. I mean, him, tier him one. And
1: Fabrizio romano isn 't his uh, they 're pretty reliable if you know you can, uh, that is massive news if that 's the case, we talked about how big a deal and what a big topic the project big picture was when that got announced. And what the fuss of the shitstorm that came with that. This, this is enormous by comparison. This is the actual action. This is, this is not the debate about the, the bigger picture and the landscape of English football and how we might have to tweak it quite a bit. This is complete radical overhaul, <laughs> if that's true, that rumour, kicking the, the clubs out. Um, I, mean, I don't know how much I'm fired by emotion with the heat of the moment, but to me, I, I don't actually care. I I'd, I'd actually be happy for them to leave. Uh, I too. feel like that now. I just don't know if I'll feel like that when the, the dust has settled. But I can't see myself changing my opinion. I Neither might get much animated about it, but
0: yeah I think that's the same thing. Like uh, I, I think that this is this is like that step too far. It's kind of like even even if they decided to rescind on it tomorrow, even if they all turn around and were like, "My bad," like we're, we'll we'll come back. We're sorry. Hmm. It's almost like. And this is, I said this to a friend yesterday, it's almost like you've just found out that your missus has been cheating on you and you know that it's over and it can never go back to the way it was, no matter how much they beg or plead or like, you know, and they're in movies and they're like in the rain and they're like, please take me back. Like you, but you know that you can't, it's done. The damage is yeah. done. Maybe
1: she'd left with her suitcase planning <laughs> to move in and like, then came back with the suitcase. It's like that, isn't it? <laughs>
0: yeah. And there there are thousands of fans you know, around the world of these big six that are going to never forgive them for this already. Like this is hmm. this is already too far. And it's like it has do you have to now just commit? Like as one of those top six, do you just go like we've we've Fucked it basically we have to commit we've like yeah. we've gone here the backlash is just gargantuan we've got to commit
1: <laughs> i mean two two things i know we'll probably wrap up quite soon but just a couple of quick things from me one one thing a point and another one a question the point i mentioned villa we mentioned leeds we mentioned west ham and there's some other big clubs actually including further down the food chain who lower down than they probably should be, just in terms of their size, Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, you could even say Bradford in League Two, um, should be a lot higher up the food chain. We've got a, that, that strength, that pyramid, we have got a very strong structure in terms of the number of clubs. In essence, much as it's a shame for it to be broken up and for six of our most famous clubs to go away, well, four famous clubs and two moneyed clubs, should we say. <laughs> no, they are they are big clubs anyway. But for those six to go out of the equation, we've still got a lot of big clubs. We've got a huge number of people that go to games. Let's not forget the Championship was the fourth most attended league in Europe, ahead of it, uh, Serie A. Um, I don't know the up-to-date figures from last time we had a proper season of uh, fan attending. But in general, the Championship gets more than Serie A. It's Bundesliga, Premier League, Bundesliga because they've got bigger stadiums, Premier League, La Liga, then the Championship. So, and that that's you know, that shows you the strength in depth in terms of the number of fans. So we would be able to absorb the loss of these clubs, wouldn't we? It would it would change the landscape forever. It would spoil a lot of stuff, distorts all the records and the honors board, it all just feels a bit wrong. But ultimately we'd carry on, we'd have some big clubs. Some of the bigger clubs might rise to the top over time and it changes, but we'd still do all right, wouldn't we, in the long term, much as a lot of damage would be done. Um, so that that was one thing I was going to say. Um, the question I had, I've I've actually forgotten what it was. I'll come back to that in a minute.
0: <laughs> well, Kyle, Kyle in the chat has said, and, and he's my friend in Dallas at like Texas, and he said uh, he would he would stick with United if they came back with their tails tucked. He's emotionally invested in oh. the players, the staff, the hmm. team, like that. He's not invested in in the owners. You know, they they will come and go. He's emotionally invested in the players and the culture and.
1: That's- yeah, you know, that's reminded the, the me of my quickly. question, actually. Yeah, And I, I think that's entirely actually... fair. Yeah, that, that was pretty much what I was going to ask. What would the fans think about this? If you're a fan of the Big Six, um, you might be against it. Probably the fans will be against it. But once it actually happens, what do you actually do? Um, do you try it for a bit? Um, it depends how invested you are, as you said. Um, first, you've got people that are season ticket holders. Then you've got people who are occasional visitors to the game. Then you've got people who... Who cannot or will not go to games, other than uh, just watch, just they'll just watch on TV. I mean, what do they do? And if they don't stay with the club, obviously Kyle there said he will. But for those that, like my friend the Arsenal fan, if he really ends up feeling that way and and he actually says no, you know what, screw it. Who does he support? Um, Well, actually, I know he'll probably. uh, he, he follows barnet as well so it probably be that but, but you know yeah Ky- fans... kyle has
0: said kyle has said that if they go to if they do go to the super league uh, he will become a brentford fan just because he likes he likes the what they're doing he likes oh, their cool. style um if they go oh, right, yeah. if they go to the euro super league he will cut all ties if they if oh, they right, oh right right
1: right
0: yeah. he, he was saying if they choose to rescind it and they say, "Oh, I'm sorry," and they come back to the Premier League, and none of this goes ahead. He would stay as a United fan. Um,
1: oh, I see. Yeah, sorry, I misunderstood. Yeah, yeah he yeah. would. No, that's Brent, a good Brentford shout. and Salford and
0: Salford City as well, simply because of yeah. the the '92, the, the class of '92, and that was when okay. he grew up.
1: Yeah, I mean that's interesting, isn't it? Because that that's that's the kind of great choices. Those those are clubs of they're interesting. There's something about them. There's something you can get your teeth into, and it's a little bit of a change of scenery as well, because you're not talking about. Then becoming an Aston Villa fan or becoming a Newcastle fan, you know, um, you're going for something a little bit more left field and something that's a bit more interesting. But it's a whole minefield. As I said, those fans, we're talking about we'll be able to survive if those six go, you know, the, the league would go on. Actually, that's the other thing, isn't it? They'll probably increase their fan bases. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, which are already good. already good they're already
0: down especially with yeah. bums in seats like especially yeah. in terms of attendances um
1: and, and for those mid-range clubs it won't necessarily be if you're a Man U fan you probably won't become a newcastle fan you certainly won't become a leeds fan <laughs> but you might become yeah a brentford fan or any other random club who's a say a middling club so there's something a bit more than just kind of completely dire straight scenario but a club that's somewhere in the middle those kind of clubs could grow exponentially. That that could be an interesting side effect of this as well. So there's positives to take somewhere, Josh. Yeah, uh, <laughs>
0: Whatever yeah, there happens. is. Um, you're not wrong. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we're good to wrap. Uh, do you have any, you know, final statement? Because I do. I've written. I've written something down that I want to monologue after you. But do, do you have any final statement that that you have to uh, discuss in terms of this shit show from start to start to finish?
1: Um, I I would say if anybody from the top six ownerships are listening to this, and I'm almost 100% sure they're not, (laughs) um, think again, uh, pull out of this idea while you can, and we'll come back with your tails between your legs. You'll have to be paraded through the streets and have rotten veg thrown at you for a couple of days, Uh, every single one of you. But then on that basis, it's not too late. But if it is too late, if you've made your minds up or if this is just going to end up happening anyway, um, up yours. Uh, Good riddance. (laughs) That's all I've got to say on it. Over to you. And I'm looking forward to this monologue, Josh. Yeah, this is this is
0: my address (laughs) to the nation because I was trying to put my thoughts in without swearing a lot earlier um, before I knew we were doing this podcast episode. And I wrote enough that I was like, I'm going to say this anyway. (laughs) So let's do it. All right. So. Yesterday, uh, at 11 o'clock in the UK and past midnight in the EU, uh, a group of traitors released their statements together in an attempt to destroy the footballing world as we know it. The Premier League, in all its forms, is approaching its 130th birthday. La Liga is going to be 92 this year. Serie A will be 123 years old. The Champions League, whatever your interest in it, is 66 years old this year. The entire legacy of these leagues and the leagues around them are under threat. We don't want any of these teams to go away. In football, there is room for everyone to grow and continue to be successful, even down to the grassroots of football. It's what makes it the literal beautiful game. For the kids waking up at 6am to go play on a Sunday with the dreams of one day lifting a World Cup with three lions on their chest, to the icons of Ronaldo and Messi, it's a game for everybody. Is it perfect? No. Do UEFA and FIFA need to do a lot more to stop the rich getting richer while teams in lower leagues struggle monthly? Yes, of course they do. Nobody is saying that they are perfect, but not like this. Their inaction has allowed an attempted coup by men poisoned by greed, men who think with their wallets, their bank accounts, and their offshore funds. They think about these teams, these pillars in their communities and the people who live and bleed those team colours as cash-making machines. They think of them as franchises to plug and play as they please. They see their fans as cattle, as drones that will support them no matter what. They look at every other team that will be affected by this, which is everybody, with contempt as bothersome problems that must simply be eradicated in order to continue this money-making machine that they're putting together. This is football fascism. Make no mistake about that. They are fascist dictator pigs each and every single one of those 12 owners over 20 years ago brighton had a fans united day they went to war with their own dictator they're in this entire situation in one small microcosm took place on the south coast and the fans won archer and bolotti and their ilk were ran out of the league since then we've seen this take place with far too many clubs just like us Charlton, plymouth blackpool scarborough dozens of others across europe Some of those were successful in their fights. Some were not. Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, Liverpool, Madrid, both of them, Real and Atletico, Barcelona, Juventus, AC Milan and Inter Milan, all of them are being stolen by their fans by money men now, from their fans by money men now as well. No club is too big to be annexed by these people. It's the same blueprint, but on a massive scale. Fans of those teams across the world do not give your support, your support to these tyrants, these billionaire old men that value profits over you, despise everything about you, really, because you're too poor, your upbringing, your journey, your community, what it means to those people day to day. The fans always have the final bargaining chip, and that is a mutually assured destruction, the big red button, the exodus. These billions will not matter if nobody watches, if nobody attends, nobody legitimizes them. I hope that in the coming weeks and clearly in the coming days after our conversation today, we see FIFA, UEFA, the National Football Associations truly make a stand against this and back up their words with actions. The current model isn't perfect. The rich are obscenely rich. I am Russell and nobody else are ever going to deny that. But the dream is always alive. There's always a chance of glory at every level. If this goes through, those dictators, those pigs, fascists, they take it all away. Histories erased, legacies tarnished, hundreds, thousands of clubs are plunged into uncertainty. The football world becomes decimated by a close shop, a restriction on success. Fans United will never die, and everyone has to take take a stand until the very end on this, whatever it takes. And that's all I've got. (laughs)
1: played. <laughs> and on that Love. note we can end <laughs> <laughs> excellent that's been great Josh
0: thank They're you good. so much for coming on Russ uh, this will be out tomorrow for those of you listening uh, tomorrow is probably set to be one of the biggest days in history ever in the world of football uh, if all these meetings go ahead and end as they as they might well end so we shall see but this episode will be out on the same day. So have a good rest of your day, everybody. Ross, thank you for coming on. It's really late there now. It's almost midnight. So have a good one.
1: Yeah, I'm off for my cocoa. Cheers. (laughs) Have a good one, mate. Bye. See you. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty.